Thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far. The hustle and grind continues as we're now into season two of 52 Weeks of Hustle. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple. I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals, to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Many people grow up thinking about what they want to do in life. And then, to use a sports analogy, a curveball is thrown, and they quickly realize their passion is something else. Our next guest did just that and has had the opportunity to work in leadership roles for a team in Major League Baseball and now the NBA. I'm very excited for our next guest, Justin Peckis, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Sacramento Kings. Justin, welcome to the show. Travis, thank you for having me and congrats to you on 52 weeks of 52 Weeks of Hustle. Um, I know you just hit the year, so congrats, man. I appreciate it. It's been a, a fun year and I'm certainly excited for, for season two here uh, in year two. And, you know, thanks again. I'm really excited to, Justin, to share your journey. And I gave a quick glimpse into the intro. So let's start at the beginning. You grow up in Loomis, California, just a small town, randomly 30 miles east of Sacramento, where you're at now. Your father was in the Marines, which I'm sure helped your work ethic. And then he ultimately got into selling insurance and has been extremely successful. So did you know early on that sales was something you really wanted to get into? I can't say that I knew sales was something I was going to get into, but I do remember many a time my mother and father telling me I was going to grow up to be a lawyer or a salesperson based on you know how much I probably argued or <laughs> tried to state my case. So I guess, yes, maybe I was destined for it and they knew before I did. And there's probably a little bit of you know the negotiation from a lawyer perspective and a sales perspective. There's some, uh, some similarities for sure. Well, you ultimately, you head to San Diego State University and you study finance. What did you want to do with that degree? So to make a long story short with with the path to finance, I, I had this dream, like a lot of kids growing up, you know, seen the movie Jerry Maguire a ton of times and watched every sports movie out there, played every sports video game, uh, you know, played all the fantasy sports. So of course you, you think I, I want to be a GM. I want to run a team. And then you realize how ignorant you are, that there's <laughs> a lot of layers to that. And there's, you know, a lot of things that you have to do to be networked and to, to position yourself to be part of that. And I think I, I honestly was so ignorant to what it took to even get into sports and so ignorant about what sports business was on the opposite side of the player end that I almost had that like, wake up, Justin, stop with this pipe dream, figure out how you're going to support yourself and get off mom and dad's payroll completely at college. So, you know, I jumped into finance, which I was interested in. Um, I thought, you know, getting into the investment world, you know, getting face to face with, you know, clients and helping people achieve financial freedom and all those things would have been really interesting. And as I went at San Diego State and went through that major, I fell in love with it um, and, and got an internship at Northwestern Mutual. And um, that was that was kind of where it launched from there. 
Um, I had honestly, I'd, I had kind of given up on the idea of, of working in sports to be, to be completely honest. Yeah. And we'll certainly get into that. And to your point, you know, you had, you landed uh, the internship and then ultimately a full-time job. So I guess looking back at that time, regardless of sports, what do you feel like you did as an intern to really solidify a full-time opportunity right out of college? Well, I think one of the things my dad instilled in me was if you're going to do something, do it right. And whether you're the best at it or you're the worst at it, you give it everything you got and do it right. And, you know, I think he got that obviously from his time in the Marines and his time of learning through his failures of starting his own business and having to go through, you know, everything that you go through to, to, to be an entrepreneur. Uh, And so he was very clear cut with me that if you're, if you're going to do it, go all in. And so Obviously, getting that internship and being able to be a, a in my early twenties wearing a suit, going up to the sixteenth floor of you know the uh, the building in San Diego that overlooked the ocean. I'm working with all these very successful. You're living the dream, brokers. I mean, I thought Travis that I'm a finance major. I'm you know one of the top in my class. I am wearing a suit to work. I'm in my early twenties. You know, I got a few little commission checks from some sales that I helped. You know, my my mentor broker you know, close. So yeah, I, I felt like I was on top of the world, to be honest. Uh, it was, it was a really fun experience. You know, and, and great advice, right? Do things the right way. Um, and, and, and you've obviously had a lot of success with it. And so looking back even to your, your first time as that financial representative of Northwestern Mutual, what were some key learnings in that job that you may still apply to your everyday now? I think, I think it was the mentality of that job being a 100% commission job. There was no base pay. So you knew every person that was there had started at zero. And yes, you're given a little stipend to start your business, but you had to pay rent for your parking spot. You had to pay rent for your desk. Like you had to earn your keep. If you didn't sell, you literally did not have a job. There was no foundational support behind that. Um, And so I admired the folks that had been in that business for a long time and built a, a client list of people that trusted them with one of the most important things in life, right? You, you have your family that you trust your doctors you know, with, and then you have your money you trust your financial folks with yep. um, to, to, to oversimplify. And so I had a lot of respect for, for the way they approached it um, because that's a sensitive topic and, and an important topic for, for everybody. So I think I just really learned how to be a professional there and how to take things very seriously um, because it, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't something you could take any other way. Right. Which is key and which is key no matter what you do and certainly into your next stop into the business world. And so, you know, working as a financial representative, Northwestern Mutual, you know, literally lasted a little bit under a year. And we kind of talked about at the beginning, you're throwing a curveball and you realize, hey, you know what, my passion just isn't there. So what happened that made you realize, you know what, my passion is for sports. I'm going to find a way to get into that business. And Travis, I remember this day as clear as any in my life. I was walking into my office. It was about 7.30 in the morning. I actually had a really busy day. I had just gotten my biggest commission check the day before. We were executing on a couple of new projects that day. So I was on top of the world. I had had a conversation with both my parents the night before, telling them about this commission check I got and what I was going to, you know, probably the foolish things I was going to do with it at the time. Right. And I got a call from my dad. And my dad and I, probably like anybody, I guess, we, we talked every once in a while, but rarely did we have the sit down serendipitous heart to heart, heart right yeah. talk. 
And I thought it was weird that my dad was calling me so early in the morning. And so as I was getting out of my car, I'm walking in the office, he gives me a call and he says, Hey, I was thinking a lot about the conversation we had last night. We're obviously extremely proud of you, but I do want you to think about what this life can be for you and where you want to go as you start to kind of embark on this journey. And one of the things your mom and I talked about is sports was always something that you wanted to be connected to. And I just don't want you to fall in love with this because of the money or the office or whatever, and then wake up when you're 40 and be like, what the heck am I doing? Yep. And I remember thinking, dad, are you okay? Like, are you sick or something? Or why are you, why are you right. having this right. conversation? Well, what's going me? on here? Yeah. What's, what, what are you doing? And he just said, Hey, I, I just, I fell in love with what I did, but I also started to realize that I fell in love with it because of what I was able to provide for you and your sister, not necessarily because I love the job. Yep. Right. And so now I do it almost because I have to, not because I love to, because you love to, and yeah. that, and that's what hit me like a ton of bricks was, do I love this or is this like a means to an end? Yep. Right. And so this is how ignorant I was, Travis. I went into the office that day. I had never even Googled like sports business or sports jobs. And I did. And of course I find, you know, teamwork online and all yep. the team sites. And I applied for every, every job, job that was on there. Didn't matter where, v- what. VPs, directors. Like, <laughs> yep. I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm, you know, I'm licensed financial representative. I've got a finance degree. Like I've, be, who, how hard could it be to sell right. tickets? Little yeah. that I know I'm 15 years in and it's hard. <laughs> you still know, figuring so like, it out, right? Yeah. So it was, that was a moment. That, that was a moment where it was like, I, I need to take this risk and bet on myself here yep. um, and jump in. And I've, I've honestly, I've never looked back since that day. No, that's awesome. And I think, you know, the, the, the biggest piece of advice of multiple things you said there is the passion, right? Like I think every listener out there probably has some sort of friend, family member that, you know, I know in my own world, like growing up, like around my uncle, like, yeah, counting down to the days I retire. He's still saying that 30 years later that I remember <laughs> having that same conversation. It's like, do what you love, have a passion for it. Cause you're going to want to wake up more and more every day. And, you know, certainly great advice. And so from there, Justin, you start embarking on that new career path. And, you know, I imagine, you know, it sounds like on one end, your family was supportive, uh, but there's probably some of your friends because you're probably making money, you know, right out of college and saying, wait a minute, like you're what you went to school for, you're no longer going to do like, so I'm sure that was part of your, your, your first sales job from a sports perspective. So how did that go? Like my, my gut tells me you're probably getting some naysayers there. That definitely was a part of it. But the, the biggest piece in my mind was my girlfriend, who's now my wife of seven years. Uh, we had just done long distance um, from San Diego to Sacramento. She's from Sacramento area as well. Um, and she came to school a year after I did. So we had just done the long distance thing. She had just moved down there. She was still in school. And now at, right after I graduate, I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to go look at this opportunity in LA with the Clippers. Yep. We had just gotten into the same city after a year and she was so supportive and she knew that this was a passion of mine. Same with my parents and friends. And now granted, did I wait a little while to tell them I was making eight bucks an hour and right. 1% commission? Yes. <laughs> what you're I truly, did. yeah. What you're truly. What I'm tr- I, I hung more onto it's the NBA, it's right. the Clippers, it's Staples Center. Right. So the, the details. Will, yeah. Will for the, all they knew friends. you were <laughs> still in this high rise building. You're just working for the Clippers now. Exactly. Didn't yeah, say so what what details were. I didn't say that, but uh, it that was a, a big moment. You know, the first time I walked into Staples Center as a potential employee, um, yep. and obviously I was mesmerized. And 
I was in a spot thinking I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get this job. And this is what I need to, to, to go do right now. And I did. And it was an amazing launch to what's been, you know, an awesome last 15 years. So I think the biggest hurdle was the, was the girlfriend. And once I got the sign off there, then, you know, permission slip was signed, ready to move on. It was, yes. Well, so, Justin, you go on to your point. You start with inside sales, the LA Clippers, then on to the San Diego Chargers and as an inside sales executive, which we talked about, right? Like eight bucks an hour, small commission, no benefits. And so, but you look back on it, you, you, one of the things you said, Northwestern Mutual really helped you become a professional. So as you look back at those kind of onboardings and those training and developments with a sports team, how does that compare to some of those outside industries like a Northwestern Mutual? Um, let's just say there wasn't too much of a comparison because Northwestern Mutual was a constant, you know, training, learning, you got to get licensed. Um, you have to get vetted and approved to be able to, to have these really intricate conversations. And so it was months and months of training before I could actually have a conversation with a non-employee there. Whereas, the Clippers, you know, traditionally in inside sales, at least nowadays, you start in classes. I was a class of one. Just a one so I, I, I walked in on a Tuesday. I started the following Monday and I was thrown right into the fire. Of course, I had training and resources and um, was able to, to lean on my teammates. But it was it was pretty much a, a throw in the fire um, yeah. type mentality. It was right before the season started in, in 2008. So um it was similar at the chargers. I mean, we were the first ever inside sales class at the chargers. I did start in a class there with, with six other people. Um, and I remember the first day was uh, brought into a conference room. We were given a, a sheet of paper that had a bunch of smiley faces around it that I'm not kidding. You said smile and dial on a one sheet. Dial. Uh, they said, go ahead and read this over a few times and practice amongst yourselves. And we'll, we'll get on the phones this afternoon. So it was uh, it was a totally different experience, but I, I leaned on what I had learned at Northwestern to not be afraid to pivot and just jump in. And, and I think that really did help me and prepare me because I felt too that, you know, obviously I hadn't made my first ticket sales cold call and hadn't really thought through that we're selling a product that nobody actually needs, right? No more versus I was selling it yeah, versus I was selling a product that at least made people think, oh, I should probably think about this. Maybe I should probably be this. thinking about my family and all those things, right? So it was just a totally different experience. Um, but I felt like the, the Northwestern um, you know, experience really, really prepared me for it. And I think it's a great point. I think that's how our business has evolved, you know, over the, you know, from when you started, from when I started, like the training is a lot more important. And, you know, I know there at the Kings, you guys specialize in, in a very thorough onboarding training development on a consistent basis and not necessarily throw people in the fire. But, you know, prior to us going on air today, we talked to, we were talking a little bit about, you know, titles and what, you know, on paper, Looks like you may have made a lateral move early on your career. You know, you go from an inside sales executive with the Clippers to the Chargers, really taking that second inside sales job. But ultimately, that kind of helped catapult to where you're at today. So why was that important for you and your career? I think I've always had, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, I've always had a bet on myself mentality. And I think my parents instilled that confidence in me that, you know, if you don't take risks and bet on yourself, then like, who else is going to bet on you? Right. So it has to start there to be willing to, to take those risks and put yourself in, you know, we, 
the, the buzzwords are buzzwords for a reason that it's like, get comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, and, because that's where the growth happens. That's where the magic happens, whatever, whatever you want to say. And so I feel like when I was at the Clippers, it was a, it was a great experience. It was a short experience. And that expectation was set from the jump, that this was more like a six month program yeah. come in, you know, um, get your feet wet and then we'll help you launch wherever you want. And they delivered on that. Um, there was relationships as we know in this business are so yeah. important. Um, and at the time their head of, uh, of sales was very close with the head of sales at the chargers. And so when the chargers were ramping up their first ever inside sales program, he made the call for me and introduced me and said, you need to hire this person. And that was my first foray into how much relationships matter in a business as small as ours, right? It's yep. big and polarizing the brands, but we all know it's so small, the connections. And so, you know, that was my first moment of like, make sure that you mind your relationships, you take good care of people, you, when you're trusted and, and given responsibilities, you, you own it and you are dependable um, because you never know when those relationships are going to bubble up. And it's so funny just to, to take one tangent on that. I can't tell you how many times in my life, and you've probably had this too, that I invested time and energy into someone, yep. right? And maybe at the time it didn't serve a purpose or whatever, but it always serves a purpose. It doesn't, ha- it doesn't need to serve a purpose, but it's funny how it comes 360 and you realize, hold on a minute, that one coffee I did with that person, that one right. phone call I took to mentor a young person or that one you know, situation I put myself in, look what's happening now, yep. right? And it's just so yep. crazy how full circle that comes all the time. Oh, and it happens all the time. I mean, I, I shared this story a couple of times in this podcast. The reason I started this podcast, something I always wanted to do, but my first week on the job, Dr. Bernie Mullen, who was the CEO of the Atlanta Spirit at the time, said, hey, reach out to me if you guys have any questions. I'm this, you know, naive inside sales. I asked him to, to launch that second week on the job. Didn't really know, but, you know, showing that he was always willing to give back. And then ultimately, you know, fast forward, I was having dinner with him a little over a year ago now and said, hey, Bernie, would you ever be on my podcast? Like, oh, absolutely. He starts rambling off all these people that would be on it. Right. And it's just because, and that's what instilled in me is like, just like Dr. Bernie Mullen, he's the CEO of a company. Now the owner of Aspire Group, he's always willing to give back. So you're absolutely, Always. and you talk about relationships, which leads into kind of the next topic I want to talk about, Justin, is, you know, after having success, you find your way to the San Diego Padres, first as an AE, and then ultimately into leadership, where you end up holding three different leadership roles in the four and a half years you're there. And that's when you and I were first introduced when you were at the, at the Padres and you had a great leadership team, but something I always remember is that you also had built relationships internally that ultimately became your friendly competition. And one of those was a previous 52 weeks of hustle guest, Jason green now at the Clippers. And so why was that so important for you and how did that experience help lead you to where you're at today? Well, I think to, to take one step back and then can address that specifically with the Padres legitimately changed the way that I, I thought about mentorship, leadership, sports business. My, my whole life was flipped upside down about what this could be. I think when I initially got in, I saw it as a passion and I saw it as a job. And the Padres are what made me realize that this is a career and that there is this intersection, you know, where life and professional life meet and like, that's okay. And it's okay to, to pour yourself you know, into, to what you do. Um, and I'll never forget my first week on the job, uh, Jonathan Tillman, who we obviously both know and, yep. and uh, is a big wig now at the league office 
you know, I remember him pulling me aside and telling me, you know, we'll pour into you, but you gotta, you gotta meet us halfway and, yeah. and you gotta be willing to step up and, and do your part. And just the way he talked to me and the way that he showed, you know, how he poured into people, I had never seen or felt that before. Yep. And that was my first moment where I'm like, so this is what mentorship feels like. This is what, you know, leadership feels like. And I had had those experiences, I think, working with some great people previously, but it never felt like that. Yep. And I think that inspired me to, to really think, how can I do that for other people? And the only way that I saw I could do that was build relationships and build healthy competition and build people that could hold me accountable in addition to myself, right? right? And hold me accountable, not because they say anything or do anything, but because I admire them and I respect them. And I want to make sure that, that they feel the same way about me. Yep. And Jason Green was one of those that, that you mentioned that I honestly don't think I'm here without him and JT and Joel and, and others, because I was so fortunate to be part of that dynamic group where like, we all lifted each other up. Right. Right. And so, you know, it's not lost on me what that meant to my career that I could have easily been in another spot where I was surrounded by a lot of people that had the, the mindset flipped. Right? right. And I could have been drugged down with those people. Right. And then out of the industry and who knows what. Yeah. Um, so to be fortunate enough to be surrounded by people like that, that care so deeply about what they do and what they do it for and who they do it with. That, that's a game changer. And so even now, as I, as I recruit people, it's funny. I, I think about people that we add to our team. My, my team always asks me, what's the number one thing we should be looking for when we're hiring? And my answer has probably changed over the years um, to, to answer that question. And now I'd say, I want people who care deeply about what they do, because I can work with that. Right. I can work with passion. I can work with somebody who wants to be coached. I can work with somebody who deeply cares and that rubs off on people, yep. right? Like that's a powerful thing and that's passion and that's all those things. Right. Yep. So anyways, I, I think that that is what really um, drew me to the Padres and made me go all in from the jump. And that's certainly something you can't coach either. Right. It is that no. willingness to, and good things happen to good people. And, you know, I think great advice to those current team members find that extra edge and, for your career path, Justin, you moved quickly up into leadership. So why did you know that was the path that you wanted to take? So I remember an, another moment that, that I can remember clear as day in my life. And it was having a one-on-one -on -one with a previous manager. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know how I would do this if I was in their shoes, but it certainly wouldn't Not be like way. this. Yeah. It certainly wouldn't be like this. I don't have all the answers and I need somebody in my corner to coach me, but this probably isn't the way that I would do it. Yeah. And I remember at that point going home that night, I lived in an apartment in LA by myself, called my girlfriend, now, now my wife. And I said, I'm going to sell as much as I can possibly sell to earn a reputation as a producer so that somebody will take a shot on me and say, maybe he can teach somebody how to do it. Maybe he can you know, lead and inspire somebody. And I think I, I thought a lot when I got to the Padres about, so many people that were probably like me in college, where you got to college, you maybe were in a, a small high school. I think I had 600 in my graduating class. So you felt like, oh, I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty sharp. Like, I think I'll be okay. And then you go to school with 50,000 people and you realize real quick, like, maybe I'm not as sharp yeah. as I thought I, I was. Step back a little like, bit. 
and, and I'm going to need to, to do some things to make myself stand out. And I think about how I essentially gave up on working in sports. I'm like, why should anybody have to give up on what their dream is? And I got lucky that my dad made that call, right. And forced me to, to think differently. And where would I be if that call never happens? Right. right. And so if I can play even a small part in talking to a kid in high school or in college, or even looking for a career change from another industry to help them find their passion, there's nothing better than that. I mean, that, that's been done for me 10 times over. Yep. So it's only right that, that I have the opportunity or, or take, take advantage of the opportunity to pay that forward. And that's the kind of stuff that gets you up as it relates to leadership is just inspiring people to, you know, find their passion and to take their game to the next level. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I have a lifetime obligation to pay that forward. No, absolutely. And it's a great point, you know, to, to your point of paying it forward, right? We, we spend a lot of time, you know, talking to people that want to get in this business, maybe people that are in this business. And a lot of them will say, well, I, I want to be in leadership. That's my career plan. But you ask them why, and you know, the answer is kind of all over the place. So sitting in your chair, what advice are you giving to those listeners that either ultimately wanted to get into leadership or they're top selling producers right now and they have an interest in leadership? Like what helps them get that extra edge? I would say too often, and we all do this, um, we all tend to speculate and think about the future a ton, right? We all want clarity. We all want to know where we're going and why we're going there. But sometimes you can get so focused on the future, you forget about the present. And so I try to encourage my team and anybody I talk to that asks that question, focus on being the best you can possibly be and be present and opportunities will open up for you that you never even knew were, were available. I'll never forget a moment with Jeremy Walls, a mentor of mine, where he took me to a Starbucks and he proposed overseeing the group sales team. And I had never really sold a group in my life, to be honest with you. And I was so perplexed because it was a veteran team. It was our biggest revenue generator being in baseball. baseball yep. And so I, I was kind of like, what, what is this move? I honestly thought, is this a way of him like pushing me out or something, you know, yeah. at, the, at the time. And then he explained to me why he said, I've got enough experts on the team. I need a leader. And I think you can lead the team and you can organize them and galvanize them. And we can, you know, lean on their expertise and their relationships they've created over time. And we can take this thing to the next level. And I, I think you're the person to do it. And that, confidence he inspired in me to then be able to take that over was such an amazing experience because I was so fish out of water. I was uncomfortable, you know, but my team was so awesome because I think walls did such a great job of putting us in positions to build relationships with all the other teams and to be cross-functional and to have a voice in, in all areas of the business. And more than I ever could have imagined, he had kind of set me up for that. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I think that he taught me too, that, you know, great leaders surround themselves with great people. And that's why they're great leaders, because they then remove roadblocks and empower those people to do their job, right? If the buck stops with me, then there's a problem. And, and you need to be able to, to empower the people around you. And so I think what I would tell, you know, anybody aspiring to get into leadership is that's why relationships are so important. And it's an excuse if you say, you know, I can only focus on one thing. Like you need to focus on building relationships, broadening your scope, being super curious and learning as much as you can um, and, and being really focused on the present. And, and the more focused you are on the present and the more intentional you are about, you know, mastering your craft, but also, you know, building those relationships, like 
that's just going to open so many doors that, that maybe right now you're not even thinking about. And I think my last point on that is that our industry has gotten so much more open to the non-linear growth paths of people, which is so cool too, that like, you don't have to be so focused on the future and only aiming for that one linear growth path that seemingly makes the most sense, you know, whether it's, you know, within a team or it's the vendors now that work with teams on the tech side or on the ticketing side or whatever, there's just so many pathways to go. Why even lock yourself into one linear path and be overly focused on what's next, what's next, what's next? Because if you're not great at what you do now, what's next isn't going to happen, right? It's so we're going to get there. So there's, there's kind of a lot there, but you know, I think focusing on the present and focusing on being intentional and building relationships would be my, my three big things. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Justin Peckis, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Sacramento Kings. And Justin, in this business, we talk a lot about, and we've talked a lot about on this podcast already, surrounding yourself with the right people. And, and we certainly mentioned that early on. And, and the next step in your career uh, was continue to do that with a very well-known mm -hmm. and innovative organization with the Sacramento Kings. So why was that the right move for you at the time? Yeah, I think I, when I left here, Sacramento area when I was 19, I never thought I was moving back here. Uh, you know, the team at the time had an ownership group that was in flux. They were talking about bailing out of town for Anaheim, Seattle, Vegas, wherever else they could go. And it was a really rough situation in sports, uh, you know, by no, 
you know, no doing by the, the teams that were in place. It was, it was coming from the top down. And so, you know, I never really thought of this as a place that, that we could go. It could be. And we get back, we get back to relationships. All of a sudden I go to lunch with walls and he tells me that Chris Granger has left his perch at the league office to come to Sacramento. And if somebody like Chris Granger is going to leave the league office to come to Sacramento, there's something good brewing with this new ownership group. And I had heard about some of the folks that, that were here and some of the really cool and innovative things that they were kind of forced innovation because the, all of the things I mentioned, the team being such right. a flux that it was an opportunity where I was going to go somewhere and get really uncomfortable because there was, I didn't know anybody here. And I didn't understand anything about their process. And I knew they were digging themselves out of this kind of longstanding hole with under this new ownership group. And I knew there was a chance that there was, you know, a new arena on the horizon. And so there was all these reasons that made me think that's a risk worth taking. Yep. And then put the cherry on top that it is my hometown. Uh, right. And I do have family here. My wife has family here. And there could be an opportunity if this arena gets approved to open up a new arena in the place I grew up for the team that I grew up rooting for. Yeah. And so, you know, as I talked to mentors across the league about, you know, what this would look like, uh, everybody said, you don't get a lot of chances to do something as dynamic as that and work for people, you know, like that, that'll stretch you and challenge you. And so it, it even though I took a step backward from a compensation standpoint, pretty significantly, and a step backward from an oversight standpoint, I'll never forget when I sat down with Phil Horn, who now is an entrepreneur running his own, um, you know, innovative restaurant concept. He sat down with me for a few hours and he explained his vision of what this could be. And I'm not kidding you, Travis. Everything he said came true. Came together. Everything he said came true. And in some aspects was even better than, yep. than what he had thought. And so, you know, I, I became a, a believer in that couple hour sit down with him and I, I was all in and we made the move and um, it was a really, really fun experience. It definitely had its fair share of bumps early on. And there As was times where I, yeah, and, and there was times where I questioned if I made the right decision. And I remember about six months in, there was moments where I thought to myself, do I need to protect myself and bail and, and move on? Is this the right situation for, for my career? And yeah. I'm so glad that I, I was, you know, had mentors to lean on and talk through that and, and stuck it out. And uh, it's been an amazing seven years now. And I think it's a great testimonial, you know, in addition to everything you talked about, just a lot of people are coming out of college and like, Hey, I need to stay, you know, hometown team, or I want to stay there. And it's like, take what's the best opportunity. Cause you never know when you make be able to come back. You didn't think, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you never made it back. And now it's, it's been home to you and provided a lot. And, you know, so we talked about, and, and certainly with Phil was kind of the innovator of the NBA with a lot of those things and the Kings organization. And you certainly have always been this as well. Justin is very innovative and the first of the dance with a lot of different vendors and technology. And, and you've always been a very proactive and innovative thinker. So what do you feel like that you and the Kings do on a consistent basis to stay ahead of that curve, especially when it comes to innovation? I think part of that goes Obviously, the support top down is huge. You know, I, I, I'm fully aware that there are so many businesses and so many teams where they might have so much, uh, you know, innovation pouring out of them. They're thinking of all these cool and crazy ideas, but it's really hard to execute because they don't necessarily have the top down support. So I'm not naive to, to realize our situation, you know, allows for us to think that way and empowers us to think that way. And I think that's one of the, 
big draws to, to being here at the Kings and why it's kept me around so long is that we've been able to create this mindset of act fast, fail fast, recover fast. And I feel like that's, you know, partly a Silicon Valley a type thing, right? And, and that mindset has led us to saying, let's not be afraid of if it won't work. Let's be more afraid of what happens if we don't do it, yep. right? And, and think instead in that way, then instead of what if we take the risk? What if we fail? What if, what if, what if, what if? If we go with that mindset, we're constantly going to be behind the ball because we're going to wait for somebody else to do it, find success, you know, and then try to play copycat. And so what's been really cool about this journey is that, you know, all the way back to seven years ago, we've kind of played the test dummy for a lot of the technologies now that are very commonplace across a lot right. of, of people in our industry. And what's been really cool is that now there's people that are challenging us to be even better in those spaces, because now that more people have their hands and eyes on it, they're coming up with ideas that we never had. So now we're finding ourselves going back and stealing ideas from them, right? Yes. So it's been cool to see the full circle of being part of an innovative group that that thinks in this way and now have other people turn around and inspire us to think bigger and better and, and help take us to the next level. So it's been really cool to, to see that all come to fruition. And when you're help getting pushed to that next level, you know, specifically there in Sacramento, there's a lot of top technology companies in the area, especially as it comes to B2B sales. So you know, how is the selling environment to some of these type of companies that are, are tech savvy uh, with all of your tech that the team utilizes? Well, I think that we try to have a lot of fun in the sales process. We sell a fun product. You know, we sell a product that is emotional. It's fun. It's all about gathering people together. So we, we obviously we take ourselves very seriously and we understand that we're asking people for large investments in both time uh, you know, and, and money. Um, and so we try to, to make it fun and stand out though. So whether that means we're, you know, going primarily through video messaging and prompting people to respond back to us through video messaging, we're creating fun and creative videos based on what we might learn about somebody through our research. Um, we are even going back to some of the old school tactics and, and creating the shock and awe gifts and dropping yeah. them on people's doorsteps. So, I mean, even though we're innovative, we're, we're also, I think we try to be very intentional and we try to make sure that we're not putting all of our eggs in one basket. We, we focus on leveraging the tech with some of the old school stuff that still very much works, right? Knocking on somebody's door, writing a handwritten note. The X's and O's go a, a long way. Making a phone call, right? <laughs> so um, even though I get, you know, Raz sometimes at league meetings that people wonder, you know, if the AI bots are going to take over the world and if we're going to be operating through just Conversica, we're not there. We're in a human bu human business where we engage face to face and we find a lot of value in that. And um, so we, we try to have fun and, and keep things buttoned up. You know, I've, I've got a... a a program that we started a couple of years ago that we we call the king's way that's built on three pillars and one is obsessive of the details two is customer experience over everything and three is always best in class and every decision we make from a tech tool that we onboard from a sales process we implement all the way to a phone call we make we think about those three things and we obsess over those three things and do we hit all three all the time no of no. course not and we make mistakes and there's plenty of times we where we recover fast, I'm, but we recover fast and yep. we have these as our guideposts so that when I get in front of our group, I can say, Hey, 
here's an opportunity where we might've missed on obsessing over the details, or maybe I missed on obsessing over the details, right? Yep. Here's an opportunity where we didn't value customer experience over everything. We valued our process over everything, right? So right. I think it's been really good to have those guideposts in place for us. And it's been cool to start to see our reps, you know, even going out and speaking that gospel, you know, when they talk to their network around, you know, we do things the King's way. Um, and I think that the tech piece is a huge part of that. You know, you talked about obsessing over the details. You know, one of the things you talked about when when making the move to go back to Sacramento was the opportunity for a new arena. And you were a part of that in the Golden One Center, which is a you know very innovative arena and an awesome arena. But thinking back to that time as, as the planning and the blueprint stages, were there any meetings that you were a part of that made you think, wow, this is pretty cool? Like this is a this is a fun process. Yes. Uh, so the first mission we had was opening up the experience center and moving our crew. We had a, a crew of 15 people that we took from our pool of 70. And that was our initial new arena crew that was going to be responsible for all the seat relocation, you know, initial premium sales, all of those things to open up our, our experience center that we had built in a building that actually overlooked the arena site. Yeah. Uh, and when we opened that up, I'm not kidding you, Travis, we were in this enormous office and there was 15 of us and we were building our Ikea desks. So I ordered pizza and beer and we were building our desks. We were playing IT, you know, setting up our phones and our computers. I mean, we were like a true startup. Yep. And when you went into the experience center, which was beautiful, and you looked out at the mall at the time, it hadn't even been demolished yet. There wasn't a hole in the ground. So that was a, a moment every morning when I'd walk into the experience center and visualize we're about to build an arena in what will be record time. We did it in less than two years from demolition to build. And looking at that clock every day, that was the countdown clock go from, you know, 390 days down to, you know, zero days. Right. That, that was really cool. And that was, that was definitely, you know, what's cool about our industry is I think there's a lot of like welcome to sports moments that we all yeah. have or welcome to the industry that hit you over and over and over right. and over again. And that's what keeps us coming back. Uh, right. And, and that was definitely, you know, two years of, of a lot of fun playing startup and being part of that process. And what's cool is we're, we're about to come up on the five-year anniversary now, and we're already about to embark on doing some renovations in the building. We're adding a new row one club. Uh, we're adding some other uh, new premium assets. And so it, it's just kind of goes Crazy into that act fast, fail fast, recover fast that like five years in, we're already Yep. You know, going to be building out some some new uh, some new stuff in the building, so we're pretty excited about it. What a what a great experience, an awesome journey, and, and Justin certainly appreciate you know the advice, and you've you've certainly had a great career thus far, and I feel like it's only getting started. What would you say has been your best memory to date? My best memory to date, I've got a lot of them, but one popped into my mind that I think is worth sharing, and it comes from my first six months here when I told you I was, I was struggling a bit yep. and I was struggling because I'd never really had a problem in San Diego, you know, getting buy-in from the team and getting them to believe in where we were going and why we were going there. And I was really struggling and, and questioning my, my leadership skill set and approach and, and just who I was because I wasn't getting the response that I wanted from the team. And I had a pretty rough conversation with one of my top guys where we disagreed on a, on a few things and, and, you know, process and approach yep. and, and all of that. And the meeting didn't end well, to say the least. Uh, and I came back to my office after lunch 
And there was a sticky note on my desk that I still have that said all in on it from him. And he's still awesome. here with me. He's now our inside sales manager of five years. And we've been through our fair share of, of battles, um, you know, on the court, off the court and all the other yep. things that have happened in between. And um, that story really resonates with me because that was a, awesome. something I needed at the time, you know, because I was questioning myself e- yep. even through that hour lunch where I was literally <laughs> sitting in my car by myself thinking like, what the heck am I What doing? happened? Yeah. And, and, and to come back to that, that note on my desk. And then when I promoted him, I, I showed that note to everybody and, and talked about, right. you know, the, the journey we had been on. And I think it's, that is a, a, a moment that I think has been replicated in so many different ways across the, the 10, 15 years I've been doing this, that it's so cool to see that transition with people where that light bulb goes on. They, they go from being kind of in to all in, to all in. and um, that, that's what it's all about is when you can be part of moments like that. That's awesome. Justin, this has been great. Certainly a great journey, a huge mentor to many in our business. So to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Oh, let's do it. Okay. So obviously in sports, there's not a ton of days off uh, and certainly not off time, but when you get a day off, what's the first thing you're doing? I got a little girl that's about to turn three and another one on the way. So it is playing with her, uh, taking her, take, taking her to the park, taking her swimming. She's she loves to be in the water. So um, definitely going to be a lot of swimming this summer. Any days off I get. Nice. What was the last bucket list item you've completed? Wife and I took our dream trip, went to Paris, London, spent two weeks out there. Uh, we're big kind of history buffs and museum buffs. And so we went to every possible place we could in two weeks. And uh, food is also a big passion of mine. So we, we definitely dominated the food scene in, in both cities. That's awesome. Great trip. So now you have your own late night talk show. Who do you invite as your first guest? Ooh, um, I would say there, it would be two people came to mind being in, in the NBA and a, and a crazy basketball fan growing up, having a one-on-one sit down with MJ would be yep. unbelievable. I'd say if I had to go more actor, someone fun to be Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey <laughs> was my, my idol growing up. I couldn't imagine what a conversation with him would be like in, oh, in that God. setting. So I, I'd probably have to go Jim. I Perry think I would just MJ. recite dumb and dumber lines the entire dinner. The entire be my, show. That, that would be my issue is that I'm regurgitating things that I'm sure anytime he goes anywhere in public, people are yelling those things at him. And he's like, wow, goodness, that was 20 years ago, guys. Yeah. You totally um, redeemed yourself. Exactly. Yes. So he, that, those would be my, my two very different types of people, yeah. but those would be my two that came to mind be a fun show. Well, to close it out, Justin, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? I would say first invest in yourself. And that means mentally, physically, emotionally, just self-awareness is so important and such a key to learning and growing. I think both in, in life. I mean, I've been hit with more self-awareness moments as a dad, you know, and as a husband, um, combined with with being a leader, that that's so important. And especially as you grow through the ranks, your words begin to carry more and more weight. And yep. so, you know, who you are as a seller, as a manager, as a director, as a VP, you know, you don't fundamentally change who you are, but you have to be much more thoughtful and intentional about your words, your body language. So self-awareness is, is to me, first and foremost. Um, I would say second key is the build relationship piece. Don't only be the person that builds relationships when it benefits you. When you need people something. know pe- people know when you're trying to do that. 
you know, I see the common joke in our industry is when you hit up the person after years and say, Hey, how you doing? Everything great. Hey, wondering if you have tickets for that game on Sunday type right. of thing. Right. So yeah. uh, notice I'm you're doing- hiring this position. <laughs> like, yes, yes. And, and granted, we've all done that. I've been there. Yep. Um, it, you know, but I think building those relationships so that you can lean on those people in times where you need a sounding board or advice, and then they can do the same with you and, and just really showing people that, that you care. I'll never forget the quote, you know, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. Um, that that has always been something I've I've lived by. Uh, and then lastly, I would say have fun. You know, I think it's it's so easy to start taking life too seriously and not being present and just enjoying you know where you're at. And even in times of struggle, I think yep. it's so important to realize you know there's somebody out there that's got it way worse than you. Yep. And you know if you can be a positive light for someone like that's enough you know and i think it's just so important to to have fun and and try to be you know positive and surround yourself with like-minded people um so that even when you're you're in a tough spot you know you can have people that can can lift you up and then when they're in a tough spot you can be the person to lift them up so i just say focus on trying to be as positive and fulfilled and happy as you can and put yourself in situations that are conducive to that and great advice. You know, we talk a lot about this. Take the time to invest in yourself. And, and I loved how you said it, both professionally, physically, mentally, emotionally, personally, you know, and, and we talked a lot about through this podcast, you have a lot of great advice in building relationships and the value of, of building relationships with the like-minded people and the right people. And to your point, you've got to enjoy this journey. There's a lot of grind to this business, but you've got to find a way to have fun. And you think back of you left Northwestern Mutual because you're passionate about sports, right? So at the end of the day, you just want to have fun. And Justin, thank you so much. You certainly had a great career. Always pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate our friendship, your time, and your expertise. Travis, same to you. And best of luck with the podcast uh, moving forward. I'll be excited for the next lesson. So appreciate you thinking of me. Perfect. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com